Hello, everybody, and welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the Humane Society of the United States. I'm Carrie here with Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Hello. How are you? I'm excited, Carrie. Yes, I am too. Today we have a very special guest. Um, I, I don't. I barely even need to introduce him, but I'm going to because hey, it's radio. Um, <laughs> this we have with us today Patrick McDonald, the creator of the animal-friendly comic strip Mutts, which so many uh, so many people out there love, uh, me included. And has received more awards than we can we we can count, uh, both for comic strip excellence and for its themes of animal protection. Peanuts creator Charles Schultz called Mutz quote one of the best comic strips of all time. Patrick, we are so honored to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. I'm uh, pleased to be here. Kelly, yeah, do you so want to kick us off? I do, but uh, I mean, how many people can say that Charles Schultz, you know, sent that kind of praise their way. So Patrick, it is such an honor to have you on this podcast. Uh, Carrie mentioned Mutz. Let's talk about the comic strip. How long have you been doing it? (laughs) Uh, You know, 29 years. Uh, Next year will be the 30th anniversary of Mutz. Um, You mentioned Charles Schultz, but I mean, he's the reason I became a cartoonist and uh, he did peanuts for 50 years. So I guess I have a ways to go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pace yourself. You've you've got a, a few more years to add to that. So, Patrick, when you say Charles Schultz is the reason you became a co- a, a comic writer, like, what, was it? Did you get to know him personally? Like, how did that inspiration happen? Was it just seeing his work, or? Well, you, you know, uh, the the greatest thing, the nicest thing about becoming a cartoonist is I did get to meet my hero. Oh, Kate. that's so great. Mm. Mm. But uh, you know, it goes back to. You know, being five years old, I grew up in the 60s, so Peanuts was really big, you know, the holiday special and all the books. And uh, I I was just an immediate fan. I was just, uh, and you know, it also, uh, I think, kicked me off for loving animals, too, because I was so in love with Snoopy. Oh, right. And his relationship with Woodstock and and his relationship with Charlie. It's just the sweetest. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, a great legacy for him that not only he inspired uh, what was to become a great comic himself, but your love of animals was inspired by him, too. Yeah, you know, and it took me. Well, what happened was I, I always wanted to be a comic strip cartoonist, but I went to art school and then I started getting jobs uh, illustrating in magazines. Mm-hmm. And in my all my illustrations, I always included a little generic white dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a uh, art director told me that I was drawing a Jack Russell. This was before Jack Russells were popular. I never heard of a Jack Russell. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I had to go to the library to look that up. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my cartoon dog. <laughs> so then I did get a Jack Russell, and he inspired me to do the comic strip. And it oh, was that's actually, so great. It was actually Charles Schultz, who uh, I didn't know what to name him. And I had met Charles Schultz at, at a, a cartoon event. And uh, I told him i was working on this strip but i didn't know what to name the dog and he said why don't you name him after your own dog girl and i thought charles schultz might know what he's talking about oh oh that's he might so know sweetest. a thing or two. Oh, and how the how did the cat get his name uh you know you know it's funny so when i first developed the strip i didn't think there was going to be a cat in it it was mm-hmm. the story of you know i wanted it to be kind of autobiographical you know my relationship with my my jack russell so it was really Ozzy and Earl in, in my original drawings. And then I thought it might be fun for a week's worth of jokes if there was a cat next door that Earl you know, was bothered by. 
Well, just like all the cats in my life, uh, once Mooch came into the strip, he took over. Like, <laughs> right, like, like cats do. <laughs> I had no idea it was going to be a cat and dog strip, but that's what it became. Oh, and, wow. Uh, Mooch was named after, we didn't have dogs growing up as a kid. My first dog was Earl in my 30s. Um, but we had cats. And when the cat butts your head, you know, with a little kiss, my mom used to call that a mooch that the cat oh, gave. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I love that. Well, and you've got several cat characters in your uh, in your cartoon. Yeah, there's Sourpuss. <laughs> you know, the cat everybody knows who just hides underneath the couch all the time when people come over. And he's got a little bit of a grumpy attitude. Mm. Then there's uh, Jules, also known as Stinky Puddin'. Mm-hmm. And, He's the animal activist in my comic. He's he's the one that wants to give the world a hug and is uh yeah. Well, but you're fairly unique in that space because oftentimes cartoonists or even artists, when they have kind of a cat or one, they're very um one-dimensional. And your cats have a lot of different personalities, which I'm a cat person. So, you know, I I'm always railing against them being boxed in and labeled just this one personality, because if you've had cats, you know, that's absolutely not true. So that's another great thing I think about your art is that you really do explore cats are more than one particular uh, personality. So it is appreciated, sir. Uh, that's not, you know, actually, when I started this strip, you know, mainly because it was based on my own real dog Earl. Um, I really wanted, you know, a lot of comic animals are really humans in cat costumes. You know, they, they, they do human things. And I really wanted people to relate to Earl and Mooch the way they related to their own cat and dog. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they talk and <laughs> now they stand up on two feet, but I still wanted them to be very animal-like. So that was real important to me to, uh, keep them. I wanted people to relate to them the way they related to their own pets. Yeah. And then talking, I mean, you know, maybe it's just me and I'm revealing my own psychosis here, but my husband and I carry on entire conversations with each other in the animals' voices who live with us. So I don't think that we're unique in it, but maybe I've just revealed something that it's going to be really embarrassing later. But <laughs> no, I think that's everybody, you know. Yeah, exactly. We, we all know our dogs and cats are filled with personalities and are really funny. So, uh, you know, I, I would spend a lot of time looking at my dog and cat for, uh, joke ideas. <laughs> oh, of course. So you're an animal advocate activist, which came first, the animal advocacy and then the comic strip or the comic strip and the animal advocacy are all at the same time or. Uh, well, I mean, I've always, I mean, like most kids, I've always loved animals. Yeah. And um, actually I think with much that kind of came together because what happened was, you know, I've, wanted to do a comic strip about my own dog and uh and i was trying to keep it like my dog so i was trying to see the world through his eyes and through mooch's eyes and the more i started when i started the strip the more i started thinking about the world i seen through animal eyes i realized how many animals are really tough on this planet mm. i think that started making me think that you know i have an opportunity to be a voice for the voiceless yeah and, uh you know, one of the first things I started thinking about probably a year into the strip, I started thinking about all the dogs and cats in shelters mm. and, and they didn't have loving owners the way Earl and Mooch did. So um, in my sketchbook, I started thinking about how I can get shelter animals in my strip. And then the Humane Society of the United States actually contacted me mm. 
and let me know that every November, the first week in November is Animal Shelter Appreciation Week. Yes. But I mentioned that or do something in my comic strip. And I said, wow, all these ideas I had about showing dogs in shelters. I said, that's a perfect you know, opportunity to, to present that. So uh, every November I started Animal Shelter Week. You know, mm-hmm. shelter, so I did shelter stories. And then I did it. I do it in May also. So at least two weeks every year I, I dedicate to just the shelter animals. And I've been in shelters and seen your comic strips up on bulletin boards and on the wall. And, you know, so I'm sure it's uh, we are joined by thousands uh, in the shelter professional world that are, are uh, fans. But those, those are the real unsung heroes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when I first started at the Humane Society, like 20 plus years ago, I was in our companion animal section. And I just remember talking to our shelter advisory group and to our partners out there who were so, so appreciative, not only of how you drew animals, but the way you treated shelter personnel in your comics was so compassionate and so respectful, which I think was sadly uh, not that common for a lot of the folks who do that work, because I think their work is sort of misunderstood a lot of the times. And so seeing it reflected in your work in the way it was, I think was really gratifying for a lot of folks. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, much as uh, I've been blessed, I've gotten to meet cartoonists who are really great people, and I've gotten to meet the animal care workers, and they're, mm-hmm. they're the best. I mean, I think I'm just surrounded by uh, really supportive, great people. I, I'd like to sort of transition into sort of talking a little bit about the more recent, um, your your work around your character of Guard Dog, because we've been seeing... We've been seeing Guard Dog in your in your comics for a long, long time. And this like part of the reason that we have you here today is because there have been developments for Guard Dog and his narrative is changing. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about um what b- brought you to this point, what made you decide that, that this was time for this to happen and and how how it evolved for you. Um well, you know, it has been a long time. I guess. <laughs> I've been promising this for I can't even say how many years. Every time I think I'm going to do it, you know, different animal welfare groups do tell me that he's, uh, you know, he has a mission to to mm. re- remind people about the poor animals that are chained. And I I always felt like, yeah, he, you know, if if one person read a, a guard dog strip and unchained their dog, I felt like yeah. it was it. Um, so I did it for many many years. Uh, you know, in my sketchbooks, I always drew them free. <laughs> when mm-hmm. I would go out in public and draw characters, I always drew them free. So in my head, he's a little bit of an actor, but um, I, it, it was just way overdue. Um, mm. And I finally had time to, you know, I would, I knew I would do it someday, but I never really thought about how. Mm. And just fairly recently, I started giving that more thought of, you know, how would I free him? And when, once I started doing this, oh, yeah, it, it just felt right. I knew I had the story and it was worth trying. Mm. Yeah. So starting, you know, starting on November 1st, the guard dog story and it's still going on. So yeah, a little longer. Very (laughs) exciting. I think we're going to be dropping that. I think we're going to drop this podcast as I understand. I I think the day that the big thing will happen, I hope. So hopefully this is very well timed and we we didn't need to drop a big spoiler alert before. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that, but I can talk about it then. <laughs> yeah, gonna, exactly. For you, but <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about Patrick. We mentioned obviously Charles Schultz that you knew, but you've worked. I mean, you've got a a pretty uh, 
lengthy resume of famous people um, that you have worked with. So I'm I'm really anxious to hear about some of that. I know His Holiness the Dalai Lama. If you can share a little bit about that work, sure. You know, uh, I feel like I've been blessed, and uh, it really is a small world how how these things happen. It, mm-hmm. I think you just stay open to the universe; things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dalai Lama was. Uh, actually, uh, uh, I was on the board of the Humane Society for 18 years, mm. and a fellow board member put together a trip to Africa, and he invited my wife and I to uh, to go with him and a group of his friends. And uh, when we went there, we we uh, got to meet his wife, who was on the internet. Her name's Pam, and Jerry, and uh, Pam is on the board of directors of the International Campaign for Tibet. Mm. And while we were out there in Africa with her, we were talking about how fragile the planet is. And she was talking about how His Holiness the Dalai Lama, that the environment is such a big part of his mission now. And um, she also, she knew much, and she particularly knew a book I did with Eckhart Tolle, the, uh, mm, the spiritual mm, teacher yeah. who wrote The Power of Now. And she really liked that book. So my wife just mentioned, well, maybe Patrick could do a book with His Holiness someday. And she thought that was a great idea. <laughs> mm. And she uh, went when she went back to the United States, she met with the board and mentioned it to the board of the International Campaign for Tibet. And they thought it was a good idea. And in particular, he liked it. So uh, that's how this that's how the book happened. Mm, it's wonderful. That was 2019. So uh, COVID hit. Oh, the plan was to go there and, and work with them. But uh, that couldn't happen. So we actually, we, we worked over emails and uh, I did finally get to meet him this April. We went mm, to- oh, wow. That's great. Oh, I amazing. Actually, I actually got to present the book to him, which was pretty special. Oh, that has to be a humbling experience. You know, just, oh, oh how did I get here? I set out to, <laughs> yes. you know, make comic strips and here I am with his holiness. <laughs> I, like I said, it's a small and crazy world. <laughs> Yeah. You mentioned Eckhart Tolle, uh, uh, which I read his, I think it was A New Earth. Um, Like many people, you know, watched Oprah and came across him. You did, was it a book with him, I think? Yes, I did do a book with him about animals. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was, I I picked up his book Power Now and it really talked to me. Then I started following him and uh, and I noticed he, he wrote a lot about animals, how Dogs and cats in particular can help you get into the present. And he called dogs and cats and our pets guardians of being. Mm. And I thought that was a great title for a book. Mm. <laughs> and I felt he influenced a lot of mud strips. So um, I took the liberty to take, I started collecting all his writings on animals and I uh, started pairing them up with Mutt's comics. And I thought there could be a book there. And I got very lucky. Uh, my, my, uh, my uh, agent, my book agent, is also the agent of Elizabeth uh, Lesser from mm-hmm. And uh, he asked her if he could present it to Eckert. And she actually said, well, Eckert doesn't really do things like that. But uh, boy, Eckert said yes. So, yeah. oh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. I mean, he probably said, you know, the Dalai Lama worked with this guy, Patrick. <laughs> Maybe I'll lend my name to him. No, Eckert was first. <laughs> ah, so it worked the other way around. Dalai Lama said, yeah, he's worked with Eckert. 
And there's, I think, another not so well-known name amongst all of us animal folks, um, you know, little known Jane Goodall that yeah. I believe uh, you she's literally our with. cover girl for our next membership ma- magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Jane, Jane is just the best. Uh, so and that, too, that too was just coincidence and just how the world is small and special. Um, in Mutt's my stinky pudding character, uh, the animal activist was talking to a friend, Noodles. And Noodles asked him how he dealt with compassion fatigue. Hmm. And it explained compassion fatigue to your audience, I guess. Um, and Stinky's reply was that uh, his autograph photograph of Jane Goodall helped. Mm. And the uh, Jane Goodall Institute saw that in the paper and they contacted me and was wondering if they could use it in one of their uh, oh. invites or emails. And I said, you could use it any way you want. And I suggested that, uh, would it be okay if I send you the original to give to Jane, the, the original art for the comic? And uh, they said, well, Jane's going to be in New York next week. Why don't you give it to her? So that's I the had, best. had the honor and pleasure to go to New York and talk to Jane and give her the art. And uh, I also had the nerve to ask Jane that we should do a kid's book together. And uh, she liked the idea, but she was very busy with the book she was completing. So she said, mm-hmm. talk about it later. Um, and then I went home and reread her autobiography, uh, Reason for Hope, which mm-hmm. if everybody should read that. The book's amazing. Yeah. And in that book, one of the first photographs is Jane as a two-year-old holding a stuffed chimpanzee. And when I saw that photograph, I said, that's that's the book. You mm-hmm. know? So I put together a little dummy of... Uh, you know, Jane as a young girl and her dream of going to Africa called it me, Jane. Mm. And then about a less than a year later, she was back in New York and I was able to present it to her to see if she liked it. And she liked it. So oh, <laughs> how could she not? <laughs> I'll, tell you a funny, I'll tell you a funny story, though. In, in the dummy version, I drew Jane with a little bow in her hair. And looked at the book and told me she liked it, but then she looked at me and she said, I never wore a bow. <laughs> the, the, same, the same reason for Hope Book has a fantastic photograph of her as like maybe the age that I drew her, like six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And she's like this and she has a bow in her hair. Oh, <laughs> oh. Did you point it out to her? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> I did the bow because of the book. And she looked at me and she said, that was the photographer's bow. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> right. The way we're all posed for glam shots with yeah. against our will. <laughs> she said, I would never wear a bow. I wore a sensible clip. So <laughs> if you look at my page wearing a sensible clip. <laughs> oh, that's great. That sounds like Jane, a sensible clip. That should be that the new like title a great of a title book. To yeah. a book. Yes. <laughs> the sensible uh-huh. clip. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But she's she's uh, such an inspiration. I mean, I mean, she's still traveling like three hundred days out of a year to you know get her message. She's out. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, the whenever, energy is incredible. Yeah, whenever I feel like I'm getting too tired, I think of Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, and you've got as we said twenty twenty years to go to meet up with Charles. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess I should think of Charles too. <laughs> <laughs> So tell, I was curious about this because you really do, I mean, you 
put out a lot of a lot of strips, a lot of art. How do you, I mean, how much are you working on this? How talk talk a little bit about your process and the format. Well, you know, the funny thing, I wanted to be a cartoonist since I was five years old because of peanuts. But all that time, I never thought of the reality of that job. And it is a crazy job. I mean, it's, you know, 356 cartoons a year, every year. Oh, my God. Really That's no, a lot. No, yeah. Really no vacation. Mm. So, uh, and you pretty much learn on the job, too. So, um, you know, the process has changed over the years. Right now, the way I work is I do four weeks at a time. I do a batch of four weeks at a time. Um, and that usually takes me like two and a half weeks. And then the other week is doing other projects like the Dalai Lama, you know, my book projects and charity work and things like that. So it's, it's a, you know, and I don't, I don't get out of the house much. <laughs> I'm always at the drawing table, but that's where I want to be. So it's fine. Is it more, what takes the more time? Is it the, the actual drawing and doing the art or is it the putting the thought into the story or cartoonists aren't allowed to have writer's block <laughs> no... so uh you know i guess it's like a an athlete you sort of build up your imagination muscle mm. and what i do is in good weather i go to a park near my house and i just sit on a bench and try not to leave until i have at least two or three weeks worth mm. of of jokes and it's really just kind of opening up yourself to the universe and see what happens well it's amazing some of them, you know, how there's few words and pictures on there, but tell like just hit the heartstrings. There was one recently you did and it was guard dog and was looking up at the moon. And I think it was, he said something about my owner, you know, moved away and basically asked the moon, you know, I think called the moon old friend, you know, please don't leave me alone. And mm. just in those few words, I was like, Oh, <laughs> like it just it's amazing how that can just hit well you know that that to me that's the secret of cartooning it's 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 like being a haiku poet it's mm, a great description yeah we only have three panels and we, you really can't use that many words there's no room for it so it, to me it's always about uh getting down to the essence it's like whittling away whittling away um yeah. you know if i could do is you know the you know, if I could do a strip that doesn't have any words, that I'm, I'm always proud of those. Mm. But you know, how do you get to the essence of something? So uh, yeah. mm. it's always whittling it, you know. And uh, and I always feel when you keep on whittling and keep on whittling, at the end of the day, it's love that is the only thing that stays. Mm. So I always, yeah. try to, always try to get to the heart of the strip. Well, Patrick, um, we have a, uh, just in, in the theme of your work, we have a fun, I hope, little quiz for you uh, uh, around uh, comics that have to do with animals. Um, and there are, this is a, this is a low pressure situation. And uh, I, I suspect that you, I, I my bet is you get every single one of these, but uh, we will see. Um, and Kelly and I were planning to sort of trade off and, and see how you do on our quiz. Kelly, you want me to, you want me to start off here? Kick it off, Carrie. All right. Let's stump right. him. Let, let's, uh, I mean, this one is not going to stump him. This is this is just the warm-up, right? Okay, so yeah, here's the in what comic one. did a pet beagle occasionally transform into a fighting ace taking on the Red Baron? <laughs> oh, that? It's <laughs> <laughs> Peanuts and Snoopy by Charles Schultz. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. These are going to get increasingly harder. See? <laughs> that wasn't the gotcha one. Um, all right. You ready, Patrick? Yes. You feeling the pressure? 
Uh, <laughs> is one of these is going to be much? <laughs> we didn't think that was fair. That's that's a gimme. Come on. I mean, right. the Schultz thing was already a gimme, Patrick. <laughs> All right, Patrick. What species was the wise stuffed animal who acted as the conscience for the rascally Calvin? Oh, Hobbes. What species? What species? The tiger, the tiger hops. Yes. Perfect. Yes. The stuffed All tiger right. hops. <laughs> two for two. All right. This is a two-parter. What was Garfield's favorite meal? And what was his least favorite day of the week? Uh, lasagna and Monday, right? Sweet. And a bonus question. Should people actually feed their cats lasagna? <laughs> I'm going to guess no. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> we're doing well. We're doing well. Although my cat eats just about anything. So, uh, <laughs> favorite, actually, one of his favorite things is nooch. Uh, you know, oh, but, interesting. Oh, my gosh. That's great. <laughs> the cat eats nooch. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's actually, so great. Actually, that's the name we've been calling them lately. So now he's. Oh, nooch. that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that, that's the classic animal advocate's cat. The cat eats nooch. <laughs> he loves it. God, we, we can't eat spaghetti without him coming on the table looking for the nooch. <laughs> oh my God, that's so great. <laughs> All right. All right. Next one. All right. Uh, what is the name and species of the adamantanium? Adamantium. 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 Thank you. Adamantium clawed mutant in Stanley's X-Men comic books. Wow. That's an animal question. That's a tricky one. That's Wolverine. Bingo. Bingo. Hey, I, I Killing it. Believe it or not, my latest book, I, I did a book on the Marvel superheroes, a graphic novel. I saw that. Awesome. Was Wolverine part of it? Uh, you know, I just took the classic sixty guys, so he's he's a little too new. Oh, and wait, and are the X Men? I'm I'm, I'm we're going to get angry notes oh. from Marvel DC people. Are are, are the X Men Marvel or DC? No, oh, Carrie, the X Men Marvel. Okay, thank you. All right, I just wanted to make sure I hadn't screwed that up because I was about to say, oh God, did I just say that the X Men were deep? Like, yeah. So we're anyway. going to put Carrie's okay. email address and cell phone yeah, number. Do do on not YouTube, put YouTube. So. Yeah. <laughs> The angry notes. I I apologize to every comic person who is listening for for not knowing that right off the top of my head. The X Men did go back to the 1960s, except the Wolverine was a newer character. No, mm, interesting. Okay, all right. So name the existentialist penguin in Berkeley Breathed's Bloom County. At Opus. Yep. Perfect. Yep. All right. See, I knew he would. I knew he would just like. I know flying colors. Days. All right, last final question. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Quote, I knew no one was going to write and ask to name a new species of swan after me, end quote, said the cartoonist, after having a louse found on owls named after him. Name the cartoonist. Say that again. <laughs> you might have stumped me. Like, start to stay from All right, so the quote is, I knew no one was going to write and ask to name a species of swan after me said this cartoonist, what they actually wanted to name after him was a louse that is only found on owls. Who was this? You stumped me. I, I yes! You were going to stump me. <laughs> no, I don't know. All right, it's Gary Larson. There's a there's a oh, louse Larson. out there apparently named the, the Gary Larsonius. <laughs> Wow, I should have just took a random guess with Gary Larson. It sounded like something that he yeah, would be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you for indulging us, Patrick. I hope that was not too painful. And and you were so close to a so close to a perfect, uh, perfect score. <laughs> Sorry for I, the, the twist at the end. I think it's cool that you stopped me. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for being here, Patrick. It has been an honor. I just wanted to say personally that um, I've been at the Humane Society for nearly 25 years now. And for a good decade of those years, I had one of your panels, the one that had the animals that was you were just talking about having one that was a wordless comic that had the animals dreaming of their ideal state in up in my cubicle and I would look at it every single day when I came to work. So thank you so much for everything you have done, everything you've done for the animals and um, really been, been wonderful having you and everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time on humane voices. And thank you for all of what you do for the animals. That's the real stuff. Mm-hmm.